I'm going to read in just a moment Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4. And you may very well think as I begin to talk about these verses, well, these verses don't apply to me very much, Pastor. They don't apply to me very well with where I am in life right now. Uh, but I want to I want to push back against that just a little bit. The verses we're going to read and study are from the word of God. They were written by God. And when we read the word of God, the spirit of God takes God's word, all of, the God, all of God's word, and use it, uses it in our lives in different ways. So whether we are a, a single adult or maybe we're a single parent or maybe we're a couple without children or a couple with a lot of children, Maybe we're empty nesters. The word of God has something to say to every one of us. So what I want to speak with you about over the next few minutes is ancient advice for hopeful and hopeless families. Uh, listen as I read beginning in Proverbs chapter 24, verses 3 and 4. By wisdom... A house is built, and by understanding, it is established. And by knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. You know, the contemporary setting for the family is pretty discouraging. It's, it's pretty dismal. When you take a, a look across the American landscape at family life, you wonder, could it go any lower? Could it be any worse? Could families be struggling any more than they are? And when you narrow that down to the church, you find that what's true out in the world is true to a smaller degree in the church. There are several reasons I think this is so. One is dysfunctional upbringings. That as more and more people are coming to faith in Christ and then marrying, but they've never seen a good family model. They didn't live in a solid home. They didn't live in a home where mom and dad loved one another in, in a biblical sort of way. They never saw their mom and dad holding hands or sitting next to one another on the, on the couch or, or dancing around the table after dinner and there'd be all kinds of lighthearted frivolity. There's, there's a lot of tension and a lot of turmoil and a lot of argumentation and a lot of, a lot of inward battling going on. So they get saved and all of that comes into their marriage. It's been embedded in them, ingrained in them. And, and while salvation helps to a great degree, it doesn't eliminate any of that. And in fact, it just makes it in some ways more evident that it's there. That is, we see circumstances and situations for what they really are. And then you have the allure of worldliness. The allure of worldliness. That is, from the earliest days, our children are indoctrinated with the insatiable desire for more, the newest, the best, the latest. You see that just changing over time where worldliness has its impact on us. We don't want it to be that way, but it's subtle. It's secretive. 
it's somewhat diabolical because working beneath the surface in those commercials, in those billboards, on those magazine covers, is this yearning, this insatiable yearning for more. And sometimes we make all the wrong sacrifices to get, to get more. You see it in this in, insatiable longing for technology. I had a, a huge amount of information that I, that I am not able to share this morning about technology and the demise of the family. Do you know the average adult can't go 10 minutes without looking at their smartphone? That's utterly preposterous. It's childish. It's irresponsible. 10 minutes. The average adult can't go 10 minutes. That's worldliness, that it's crept in. It, it, it doesn't even seem like it. But we're so distracted. The last time that Jaylen and I were together in Walt Disney World, we were walking through the, the streets and I, I just decided I'm, I'm going to check today and see how many, how many families are spending their time at a place that is exorbitant in cost, looking and watching and staying on their phones. It was phenomenal. At a time when families ought to be bonding and focusing and enjoying and laughing, they were completely distracted. What's well, true at Walt Disney World is true in the family living room as well. Just mark my words, 10 minutes. And then you add to that the power of indwelling sin, which comes from being a part of a dysfunctional family and, and just the indwelling sin that we have. It, it's, it's like a witch's brew and, and stirring the pot of dysfunctional upbringing, the allurement of the world and the power of indwelling sin is Satan himself. And he sprinkles in unrealistic expectations. You know, we have unrealistic expectations on our spouse and our children. We want them to look like us, to be like us. If we were outstanding athletes, whether our child has an inclination or a bent that way, that's what they're going to do. If we were a dancer, we want them to be a dancer. If they were, we were a ballerina, we want them to be a ballerina. And yet God maybe has given them a different bent, different interest, different desires it's it's no wonder that the family is in a cataclysmic free fall and often it's not till we hit rock bottom that we even recognize it I want you to notice three critical components to a good family he says by wisdom a house is built. Uh, wisdom is looking at a situation with discernment. Uh, wisdom is seen below the surface. It's the ability to, to see what's happening, but they get, to get down to the reasons for it. You see, he says, by wisdom, a house is built. Building a house takes time. Building a house takes skill. 
It's better to get it right the first time than to have to come back and undo it because you took the shortcut or you took the cheap route or you tried to sidestep a couple crucial aspects that needed to take place. Building a house takes wisdom. It takes skill. It takes asking the right questions. It takes being teachable, learnable, growable, and maturing. It takes perseverance and determination. You don't build an important structure overnight. By wisdom, a house is built. By understanding, it is established. There's not a great distinction between wisdom and understanding, but there is a slight distinction that could be made. Understanding carries the thought of weighing things from a proper perspective. It's looking at two options and looking at them with a clear perspective, seeking to determine which of the two is the better choice for God's kingdom and for my family. It's realizing that, that people don't often fit our mold, so we try to understand them. So our child doesn't want, our daughter doesn't want to be a ballerina like her mom maybe was a, a ballerina or a dancer. It's trying to understand how did God put them together? How did God make them? In what way can I accentuate what God has done in them, the way that God has knit them together, that rather than trying to twist and turn and, and push them in a direction that, that they're not inclined to go? By understanding a, a house is established, it's, it's built on a solid foundation. And, and many, many marriages aren't built on a solid foundation for the reasons that I've just mentioned. One of the most important things my church did for me where I was saved, when I was single, was by having classes and having sermons on how to have a good marriage. Because I came with a lot of dysfunction in my background. I, I came with many years of, of uh, loving my indwelling sin. I, I came as a very worldly uh, young adult to faith in Christ. I had, I had absolutely no idea about how to be a good husband, how to be a good parent. I had a long way to go when I got married, but my church, through preaching and teaching, helped me as a single adult to be better prepared when I married than if I hadn't had that teaching. You see, you need to lay a, a solid foundation. And if the foundation isn't solid, sometimes you've got to tear the, you, the whole thing has to be torn down and built over. I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. By knowledge, rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Notice wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Uh, knowledge carries the thought of learning with perceptiveness. It, it communicates what I just said, a, a willingness to be taught, a willingness to be instructed, a recognition that I need someone that is maybe more skilled or maybe someone that's further along than I am to speak into my life when it comes to raising children or being a good husband or being a good wife. I, I need the information Without the information, you can't act on anything except bad information. 
But I want you to also notice three magnificent promises. We've seen wisdom, knowledge, understanding. But notice he says, by wisdom, a house is built. That word built is an an interesting word. It it communicates a couple of ideas. One thing it communicates is the, the raising of a structure. So it takes wisdom to build a family. Families don't come all put together. A marriage doesn't come all put together. You're building a marriage. You're building a life. And you're hoping to do it in the right way. Uh, But it also carries the idea of restoring something. It's like remodeling. And often when you get into, into remodeling, you'll find that the home you bought isn't as solid as you thought it was. Uh, you, you get a floor ripped up in order to, to, to lay new wood floor or tile or carpet or whatever it may be, and the subfloor is, is not in good shape. So when he says, by wisdom a house is built, sometimes there's some restoration that has to take place. He says, by understanding, it is established. It carries the, carries the word of setting something upright. That is, many of us build lives and our lives are teetering on the brink of destruction. They're leaning. They're twisted. By understanding, it is established. It means if it's leaning, it's, it's brought back up and solidified if it's twisted it's 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 unwrapped it means undoing some bad things and and all of us have bad things none of us have perfect marriages because none of us are perfect none of us have perfect children or we don't do perfect parenting we need instruction we need particularly understanding to begin to get things back in the order that they need to be And then by knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Uh, What a beautiful promise that is. To think think about a room that's filled with many precious and pleasant things. It's not the possessions. It's not how beautiful our uh, our fixtures are, our, our flooring. It's the things that really matter. Laughter and happiness and joy. Singing and dancing and praying, talking and enjoying one another's company. It's the kind of blessing that God wants us to experience. Sometimes there's got to be some restoration work. Sometimes there has to be some restoring. But that's what God wants for us. That's what he wants our lives to be like. None of us experience that all the time because we live in a fallen world and we're fallen people. None of us have have marriages that are perfect. All of us have marital conflict or else we lie about it. All of us have conflict with our children or else our children have been so pressed down that that they're afraid to express themselves. But God wants our homes filled with, with precious and pleasant riches. Uh, Does this sound too good to be true? Or maybe it it, it even sounds like like a pipe dream. God has given this instruction to us to help us, to encourage us, 
to make us hopeful and not hopeless. To inspire us and not to demoralize us. To cause us to look at things realistically and not through rose-colored glasses or just sweeping them under the carpet. God has given us this instruction for our good and not our harm. See, maybe right now your present home is in a state of total disarray. Be hopeful, God has a blueprint. You know, when you go back and you've got to, got to redo things in remodeling, you find that, that things that had been built had been built in a shoddy way. They hadn't used good material. They hadn't, they hadn't done things properly according to code. It's a little bit painful. It's a little bit costly. It takes more time. It takes a lot more effort. But once you get it right and done right and things are restored the way they ought to be, you can begin to experience that room or that part of your home with a, in a way that you haven't experienced it before. And with a, with a sense of peace, there's nothing hiding. Uh, there, there's no trouble under the surface. That is, if things are in a complete, total disarray, the only way to get them right is to make some dramatic decisions. You may need to sit down with your children and say, listen, daddy hasn't, daddy hasn't been involved in your life like he ought to be. Would you please forgive me? And would you pray for daddy? Or mom might need to say to her children, kids, I want you to know that I've, I've belittled your dad in front of you, I've, I've spoken unkindly to him. I've, I, have, I have denigrated, they won't know what denigrated is, but you can get a synonym. I've denigrated his leadership in the home. I want you to hear me say to daddy, daddy, please forgive me. And kids, I want you to forgive me because I love your dad and I want him to be the leader in our home. And I may not do this perfectly, but I'm going to try by God's grace to do better. I'm going to ask daddy to pray for me. And then would you pray for me? You know, it's not a pipe dream. It's not too good to be true. You just have to decide if every 10 minutes looking at your smartphone is something that you do on a regular basis, I think you can do this as well. I think you can make some good, hard decisions. And by God's grace and for God's glory, we've got some beautiful examples here. I mean, if you get to know people outside a, a small circle, you'll get to know, particularly some of our, I'll call us middle-aged and older Adults have been through some of the same trials, difficulties, struggles that, you, that you're going through. We've had some of those same conversations. We've asked our spouse, our children, our family, please forgive us. Please pray for us. 
And by God's grace and for God's glory, he's done great and marvelous things. And now you see couples who have been married 30, 40, 50, 60 years, and they're, they're, they're holding hands and they're walking side by side, not as quickly as, the, as we used to walk. But you, you think, I like that. I, I, it takes hard work. God doesn't give it to the casual comer and goer. You got to make some difficult decisions. But the decisions, these are decisions you will never regret. You might have to go down to the studs. That's hard work. You might have to get up the subfloor. That's hard work. I'm not sure what you do after you get the subfloor up. But you, you put it back down some way. It's better, stronger. That's hard work. And then when it's done, you sit back and you say, look at the great things God has done, but God does them through you by giving you his grace for his glory, for the good of your family, and you will never regret it. Say, pastor, it seems too late. It's never too late because God is the God of second, third, and 50th chances. It's never too late. His word is hope for the hopeful and hope for the hopeless. You got to decide which of those categories you may, you may be in. In just a moment, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. I'm going to pray for you. It may be this morning that you're here and you'd, you'd just like to come up to one of our, our pastors and say, would you pray for me? Uh, what we'll do is we'll sit down on the front row and we'll just have a, a prayer for you. Or maybe you'll send, uh, send a message to uh, to one of our staff and just say, you know, my wife and I, uh, we'd like to get with you. Maybe you're a, a single adult. You're just Philip or me or somebody. Say, I'd like to, I'd like to think about becoming, uh, preparing myself to be the best single adult uh, uh, person I can be so that when I marry, I can be the best spouse I can be. Maybe you come down and, and do that. Maybe, maybe you're looking for a church home. We'd invite you to come forward as well. But I'd like for all of us to do this. At some point during the singing, just in, your, in the quietness of your own heart, pray for the phase ministry. And then pray for your family. Whatever your family situation is, pray for your family, your parents, your children, if you have children, your spouse, if you're, if you're married. Would you stand and let me lead us in a word of prayer? Our Father in heaven, in just a moment as Caleb leads us in song, we're all going to be worshiping and singing and we need your spirit to continue working. Father, in Jesus' name, work in us. Help us. We need you. Not just every hour, but every moment. Regardless of our status in life, we need you. So work in us for our good and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.